got W-T-A-B-O-R. You got it? Okay. And uh, Abby comes up, you spelled Tamer wrong. I says, no, it's W-T-A-B-O-R. That's what it is. So we're, we're, we're <laughs> so you laugh. Uh, we are, uh, we're thankful for AI. Uh, when we have a week like we had last week, there was just no way that Ben could have came in. Because uh, Ben has been ministering to Parkway for probably, uh, let's say, three or four days. Uh, he's been there in constant. So, uh, uh, so we're, that's why we were able to do that. All right. So, um, how many of you have kept your New, New Year's resolution? You, you have? Uh, so far, I can keep in mind. Do you know that last week was New Year's resolution, break your New Year's resolution day? National Break Your New Year's Resolution Day. They, I think it was last Tuesday. Uh, that's the day when you go back and say, yeah, I've already broken it. So uh, if, if, uh, if you uh, have broken your resolution, just start up again. Nobody's going to know what your resolution was anyway. Just get going on it. So one of, one of my, our resolutions in the church was that we were going to focus on prayer more. And we were also, uh, as far as the staff was concerned, we were uh, going to uh, designate Tuesday mornings as day of prayer here in the church. And so we come in at 8 o'clock and we, and we pray for a good hour uh, in various parts of the church. We're praying for you, we're praying for the congregation, and uh, we'll just keep on praying for you. What's interesting about this is I don't think we've had one Tuesday morning this year so far where the entire staff has been together. It's just been, you know, all crazy things that have been happening. But we're, we want to let you know that prayer is our focus because our desire is an intimacy with God and an intimacy with Jesus Christ. And our desire is to be God's instrument for whatever uh, he wants us to do in our community. So uh, continue, uh, if, if prayer was one of your resolutions, uh, Continue on with it, because I really believe that the power of the church is the prayer that, that go up, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Elder Pete uh, uh, read a psalm out of the Psalms, and it goes right along with the sermon. I don't know if he knows that or not, but it was it was actually a perfect uh, a perfect Bible verse for the uh, for the sermon today, and uh, so you'll understand that in, a, in just a little bit here. All right. We want to talk about our intimacy with God, is what we want to talk about today. How do we develop an intimacy, an intimate relationship with God? Because as we said in the last couple weeks, we are, we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual creatures. God made us different and unique from the animal world. We have this real strong desire to worship and, and to worship something. We recognize the fact that there is a spiritual realm. Even when, uh, even other cultures that might not even be Christian recognizes that there's a spiritual realm. Um, we are the only animal that does that. And, uh, and so uh, we want to really focus on that intimacy. We want to grow in our intimate relationship with God. So with that said, I want you to turn to John chapter 15. I've kept the last couple passages up here just as a reference. Uh, but today is John chapter 15. And in it, it says this. And Jesus is actually where he's, remember the story where he's washing the feet of his disciples. So this is the context stuff. And he says, you are my friends. 
if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything I learned from the Father I have made known to you. So, Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples and he's kind of teaching them while he's doing this. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. There's an if in there. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. I call you friends for everything I learned from my father I have made known to you. So, Part of the intimacy that we have with God is the fact that we can be friends of God. Do you know that Abraham was known as a friend of God? David was known as a, as a man after God's own heart. And so with the crucifixion of Jesus and the, and, and the power of salvation that we talked about last week, we have the ability to be friends with God. Now, I struggle with that. And I'll tell you why I struggle with that. In fact, I, I made it known, one of, one of my least favorite hymns in the, in, the, in the hymnal is what a friend we have in Jesus. And yet, some of you, that's your favorite. And, and the reason for this is, when you think of friendship, you think of on a, on a level playing field, that, that we're all the same. And that I can stay with God or I can stay with my friend or leave my friend based upon whatever. So we're walking down, we have a disagreement, okay, we're separated for a little bit. And so that's why I struggle because Psalm 8 kicks in where God created all of that that was talked about and yet I'm going to treat him as an equal? That, that bothers me. And it isn't until I understand exactly what Jesus is saying, and we're going to use some Greek words today. Greek is the original language of the scriptures and of the New Testament. We're going to look at some Greek words today, and that is going to help you to understand exactly what Jesus is saying here, because we as Americans do not understand it because we are Western. And what Jesus is referring to, we don't have. In our, in our society, or we should not have in our society. And I'll explain this a little bit later. So to fully understand what he's talking about, I want us to go to the book of Genesis. And I want to talk about a man named Joseph. You remember him? Joseph was the man who wore the coat of many colors. Now, let me go back a little bit. There was a man named Jacob who had many sons, and one of the sons was Joseph. Joseph was the um, son of his favorite wife, Rachel. She had another uh, a son named Benjamin. She had one, she, and she died in childbirth. Because Joseph was the favorite son, Jacob gave him a coat of many colors. And that proclaimed to the world that he's special. That proclaimed to his brothers that he was the favorite son of Jacob. What's the problem with that? No one sees any problem with that. Not supposed to play favorites. In your own kids? I mean, don't you dare play favorites. I mean, it's like it's like Ben saying, Andrew's my favorite. Forget about Josiah. 
Okay. Andrew's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's already the joke in the house. That's already the joke. Okay, so I'm a Lee Fence family. Okay. Yeah. But, Don't but start a fight. Now, if, it, if it was true, which I, I know it's not true, he loves all the kids the same, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, so he loves all the kids the same. But let's say it was true. And, and Andrew got the coat of many colors. How would Josiah feel? And, and, and how would the daughters feel? You see, that's what happened in Jacob's family. Here is Joseph walking around with the coat of many colors. I am the best. I am the favorite. Look at me. And so his brothers became very jealous. And it says one day Joseph was going out to the fields to check on his brothers. And his brothers have had it. They got angry. They took Joseph. They threw him into a cistern. They were planning on killing him. Reuben shows up and says, no, don't kill him. What we're going to do is we're going to, uh, we'll just sell him. And, and his caravan came along and they sold him into slavery. They took his coat of many colors. They ripped it up. They put it in, in blood. And, uh, and, and they took it back to their father, Jacob, and says, oh, uh, Joseph uh, just died in a wild animal. This is all we found left of So they lied to death. Joseph was sold into Potiphar's house as a slave. Something very interesting happened here. It says, the Bible says in Genesis 39, the Lord was with Joseph so he, that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, who's his, the master's eyes, Potiphar's eyes, and became his attendant. Boy, circle that. That's so important. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Who's attendant? Potiphar's attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Except his wife. So here's Mrs. Potiphar. She, uh, she can have whatever she wants and whatever. Anyway, she, uh, uh, she wants Joseph to go to bed with her. Verse 8 says, but he refused. He said, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he entrusted to my care. See that? Everything he owned, entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My father, my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? All right, keep this in mind. So that she accused him of rape. Miss, uh, Potiphar then threw Joseph into jail. And so Joseph was in jail, and then verse 21, it says, And the Lord was with him, with Joseph. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those, all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was was with Joseph and gave him success in all that he did. You see a similarity here. 
Joseph was raised up. Those in authority trusted him. And he gave, they gave them authority in where he was at. Now the story goes on, and Joseph is in prison for a long period of time. Pharaoh got angry at two of his servants. One was a cupbearer, and the other was a baker. Threw him in the jail. Don't know exactly what happened, but he got mad at them. And while they were in jail, they had a dream. They were troubled by the dream. Joseph was able to interpret the dream. The cupbearer said, you're going to return to Pharaoh. The baker, you're going to die, and your head's going to be put on a stake. And that's exactly what happened. Cupbearer returned to Pharaoh. The baker was executed. And remember, a cupbearer is always right next to Pharaoh. He's the one that made sure that there was no poison in the cup. He would drink before the Pharaoh drank and make sure he would basically put himself in, in danger for Pharaoh. Later, Pharaoh had a dream. All the magicians came in and they tried to interpret the dream. They could not interpret the dream. And guess who was right next to Pharaoh? But the cupbearer. And the cupbearer says, I know somebody that can interpret a dream. He interpreted my dream and says, I was going to come back and the baker was killed. And so he went, they went, they got Joseph, they cleaned him up, and then they put him in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh told him his dream. Joseph then said, This is your dream. You're going to have seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. Store up now because the famine's coming. Pharaoh liked that so much that in verse 37 it says, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man, the one in whom the Spirit of God is in? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be, you shall be in charge of my palace and all the people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. You see the difference. Or do you see the similarity? He comes in, he raises up. He becomes the friend of Potiphar. He comes in, he raises up. He becomes the friend of the warden. He comes in, he raises up. He becomes the friend of Pharaoh. They are still Pharaoh. They are still Potiphar. They are still the warden. They are still in charge. But yet he's a friend of theirs. He puts everything into their hands. And once I understood this, and had a little bit more explanation, it all made sense to me. At the time of Jesus, it is estimated there were 14 million slaves in the Roman Empire. There was always one slave in the household that was considered to be the friend of the slave owner. <clears throat> we read about these slaves and that they had the right to enter in the king's bedchamber, so they were the last one he saw at night and the first one he saw in the morning. They cared for the most needs of every personal level. They were so well acquainted with him that they literally were trusted with his life and with, with his life. They became protectors of his life. They would, be, they would know his fears because they were intimately acquainted with him in all the informal situations. They would also know his thoughts and they would also know his hopes, joys, and ambitions. That's what these slaves are. These certain slaves who were the friend of the master. So when Jesus says, you're my friend, he's not referring to this. What he's referring to is, I am still authority. God is still God. He is still Lord. You are my friend, the most intimate person in my house with me. 
I'm reminded of the old movie Spartacus. Remember that in the 1950s? There's a scene in there where there's a slave in, in a bath uh, with the owner, and the slave is washing the owner. Okay? That's what they're referring to. And the owner is sharing his thoughts with the slave. In John chapter 13, Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord, authority, and rightly so, for what I am. Now that I am your Lord and teacher and have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do what I have done. Very truly, I tell you, <clears throat> no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I want to back up here, and I want to get to the yellow word. There's a Greek word for Lord, and that word is kurios, or curious. It can kind of get the word curious from, or curious from it. <clears throat> but curious, what that means is you are Lord. So Jesus is saying, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. So what does the, that word Lord mean? It means I am the authority. I am in charge. In some respects, the word Lord, in, in the United States, probably the best way we get is the president is the Lord over the United States. The governor is the Lord over uh, Ohio. The, uh, the mayor is the Lord over Salina. You have trustees that are part uh, for the township. They are the Lord. They are in charge. They have authority. Okay. Greater down to, to lesser. So the word curios basically means it's saying, I am Lord. It means I'm in charge. Now the neat part is, is that we have the privilege of being friends with that Lord. And so the word friends comes from the Greek word philios. Okay. Philio is where we get Philadelphia from. That is a brotherly love. And it's saying a slave or a servant that is trusted to be loved by the master is what it's referring to. And I cut off some of it, I'm sorry. Uh, but I cut off part of that. Similar to Joseph was in the book of Genesis. And so the filio is a friend of the Lord and they come together and you are trusted. Jesus is essentially saying, I am Lord, but I'm also trusting you. I'm trusting you. Joseph had a friend in Potiphar. Joseph was a friend of the jailer. Joseph was the friend of Pharaoh. Jesus says, you are my friend. Romans chapter uh, 1, uh, chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you declare your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's an inner circle that's kind of what Jesus is referring to. Like King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. King Arthur was still in charge, but he had the Knights of the Round Table. Jesus had his disciples. Abraham was a friend of God. David was a friend of God. Enoch was a friend of God. But God is still God, and we are not. So you want intimacy with God. Then we need to understand that God is curious. He's in charge of everything. And he is the authority of everything. And he has made everything. Psalm 22. 
25, verse 14 states this. I'm going to read two versions of it. Virgins of it. First one is uh, from the NIV. It says, The Lord confides in those who fear him, but he makes his covenant known to them. In the Living Bible, it states this. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With them alone, he shares the secrets of his promises. There you see that, that lordship, that friendship that Jesus is referring to. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With them alone, he shares the secrets of his promise. So what it is, is intimacy with God starts when one understands who God is and who we are not. It is when it starts when one truly makes Jesus Lord. It's, it starts when we understand what curios means, or curio is the, is the root word, which the word means Lord. It means one who has absolute ownership, power, and authority. One who has the power and authority and absolute absolute authority. I just repeated myself, didn't I? But one has uh, absolute power and authority. And we don't have a problem with that. As human beings, we don't have a problem with that, do we? God, God made everything. Ah, uh, let's go further. There's another word for Lord. This is the one we're going to struggle with. And this is found in Jude, the book of Jude. Let me get over here. Book, Jude chapter 4. For certain people have crept unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who, who turn the grace of God into indecent behavior and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. <coughs> that is another Greek word, despos, or despos. We get the word despos from it. Uh, despotos. <coughs> we get the uh, Greek word despot. Like a despot ruler. Now, bear with me on this one. You're going to struggle with me on this one. I'm, I guarantee it. Des, a despot ruler is a dictator. And when we think of dictator, we think of King Jong-un. We think of Hitler. We think of Mao. We think of Stalin. We think of all these individuals. And what that means, uh, when we think of that, they are cruel dictators. Because, here's the thing, absolute power corrupts absolutely. You give somebody absolute power, very easily they'll be corrupt. I, I don't know very many dictators that really care about their people. But we get our best pot, which means that God has the right to dictate what he wants for our lives. So despot means absolute ruler, which, which uh, we get the word.